and welcome to episode one of Establish the Collection. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR, and I'm very excited because this is the debut episode of a new podcast. We are launching around, yes, collectibles for this. I am joined by two young men who are deep in the cardboard streets, LOL Cardboard. We're going to talk about that a bunch. It is Cody Main. You know him from Showdown. You know him from completely virgining out on Showdown and getting way, 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 way too deep in it. Also joined by Gary Hartman, Millie Maker winner in the NFL last year, working behind the scenes on the NBA and a very, very hardcore cardboard collector. Cody, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, Adam. Uh, I think we're really excited to do this. It's been, uh, feels like a long time coming, but uh, as things go in the cardboard and, you know, now the NFT world, things move quickly. So a week in collectibles time is more like a year. So excited to get started. Yes, it feels like ages ago I bought my first dinosaur skull, but now I'm neck deep in dinosaur skulls. <laughs> Gary, what's going on tonight? What's up, Adam? Uh, very excited to do this. As Cody was just saying, we uh, are very honored to have you on our first episode to help us kick this kick off this uh, venture. Yeah. Okay. So, Gary, why don't you give the people an introduction to the show and what the plan here is going forward, what you're going to cover, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So, um, yeah, this is going to be established a collection. We are going to bring you all the relevant news topics in the collectibles world, uh, mostly sports related, obviously, uh, both cardboard, you know, traditional hobby, as well as NFTs, top shot and the digital space. So we want to kind of bring those two worlds together for you. I think that there's a little bit of a common misconception out there right now where you can either really love one or the other. And I think Cody and I are both here to tell you that that's just not the case. And you can love and, and appreciate both. And we want to break it down from you uh, from the angle that you've come to know and love at ETR from an investment and the gambling perspective and, uh, you know, just really kind of get in the weeds of these two spaces, how you can maybe make a couple bucks on them and how you can get involved if, if you haven't up to this point. Yeah, for sure. And, and Cody, obviously, if you guys have followed his work on the site, brings a heavy data background to this. How do you apply, Cody, like a data and analytics set to uh, collecting? Because I think that's something a lot of people are just firing off on players that they like. Maybe they don't have a baseline of what something should be worth or what the data says, et cetera. Yeah, and, and as we get into this, you'll realize that there's actually a lot of data available uh, in, in the collectibles market, whether it's cardboard or obviously NFTs have really kind of um, brought that to the forefront with their transparency uh, and sales data. But doing the same thing with, you know, if, if you follow my work at ETR, you know that I'm interested in finding areas where there's edges to be had. Um, so doing the same stuff with, with sales data from the cardboard world to NFT world um, and trying to apply that same, same type of analysis uh, across all varieties of collectibles and along with that there's um there's a way to you know, look at sales data and population reports and things of that nature in the cardboard world that really lets you know which which items are most scarce and which ones we should be looking at yeah for sure i think maybe people don't know as much about your background gary why don't you tell the people how we found you what you've been up to uh what it's been like for you in the collecting world i know you've kind of amassed a, a nice collection yeah yeah so uh a little about me uh, at this point in my life i'm basically a dfs player by night 
and a card collector by day. You know, I, I buy, sell uh, pretty much as my full-time job now. And at the same time, I have my own personal collection that I, you know, obviously enjoy. And um, yeah, I got involved with ETR at the beginning of this basketball season after uh, I applied for a job to basically help out on the back end with your nightly projections, uh, minutes, rates, things like that to help you establish a, a nightly edge. And from that point, I've been working and, and getting to know everybody here and it's been great. And uh, basically, I've had this opportunity to come in and, and kind of, you know, expand upon my other side of, of my my world, which is this sports collectibles and card space. And so I'm really excited to, to get that going. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, like we wanted to launch collectibles because I, A, I think it's really interesting. B, I think a ton of people are into it. It's just another way to expand on skill sets we already have, i.e. identifying who the next great players are using data and thoughtfulness to think about who the best uh, what the best investments will be going forward. That said, I had a ridiculous card collection growing up. And by ridiculous card collection growing up, I mean, I made my parents drive me to the card store every single week as much as I could get them. And it turns out that for all this work and grinding, my cards are worth absolute dust. And I think, and this was, you know, I was born in 82. So uh, I was doing hardcore collecting probably from, I don't know, uh, 1990 to 1997. And it turns out that like every card, apparently, because uh, I had every card. So every card from 1990 to 1997 is apparently total dust. And maybe there's a lot of people listening to this, like me. So maybe, uh, I don't know, Gary, you're probably best to explain what has happened to these cards of our youth of people from my generation who say, what the hell is happening? I collected like an animal for 10 years, my cards are worth nothing. And now I'm seeing Luka Doncic go for 4 million or whatever the hell it went for what has been going on in the cardboard world that has kind of changed so much from when I was kind of collecting in the nineties. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for you, it sounds like you were really collecting when you were a kid and what we all know as the junk wax era. Now, basically it was card companies, upper deck and tops responding to a huge boom in the seventies and eighties, early into early eighties. And obviously the sixties when stuff was, you know, what we now consider vintage and they basically just completely mass produced, overproduced. And it was just crap. There was, it was just cardboard. There was nothing special about these cards and they just produce them in crazy quantities. And that's why you see a lot of the things from the late eighties into late nineties, that just doesn't have much value. You know, there's a little bit of it coming back with like Kobe rookies and tops Chrome, things like that. But for the most part, it's, yeah, as you said, it's worth dust. Uh, now in today's day and age, um, we, there's some worry about their, you know, mass production coming back with things becoming so popular, but over the last 10 years or so, you know, they have really gotten creative with the way they produce cards. They put limited runs on certain things. They have short printed things. And, and also we are at an age now where just everything's run by nostalgia. People that were, that are our age have money now to spend on this kind of thing. And they've assigned real value to this stuff, which is how we are here today. Yeah, I, I think some people, and maybe myself included, are saying, uh, hold on, we have to be near the top already of this card market. Like, people are going completely berserk over cards, Cody. How do people know? And listen, I've, I, you know, I, I hate trying to sign tops of things because apparently for the last, like, eight years, everything just goes straight up. But anyways, that, that's, a, that's an argument for, for another day. Uh, is, there, is there concern that it's already so popular? Card prices have gotten so out of control recently. Anyways, or can we just mitigate all this by saying, hey, these companies make really scarce cards and those are always going to be valuable? Or do, what, what do you say to people who say, my God, this thing is already overblown? Yeah, and I think the, the easiest argument for naysayers right now, obviously, is that this is, you know, this is a bubble built on the 2020 sports pause and kind of on the heels of the, the MJ documentary and quarantine. And people just have nothing better to do with their times. Interest rates are non-existent. So 
you know, people are looking for a reason to say, you know, things are things are certainly going to go down. And and look, there's we're definitely in for a market correction on a lot of this stuff. A lot of the stuff that's currently valued at what it's valued at probably won't be valued at that in five, 10 years. But, you know, there's there's some staying power here. Um, you know, Gary hit on it. Kids of the 80s and 90s like yourself, you're kind of now entering your prime earning years and there's some nostalgia there. So we're, we're starting to get more money flowing into the the industry. It's becoming more mainstream and even, you know, cards that would normally be thought of as somewhat invaluable um, are, you know, widely accepted now as stores of value. So as far as the market health as a whole, there's a lot working in its favor, even though it kind of feels like things may be overpriced. Another thing now, um, you know, with the rise of sports betting and DFS and gambling, this is just another way to, to speculate on player performance and a player's career or even in a, a shorter window of time, a player's season. Um, so I think there's a lot working in the market's favor as a whole. And even though it feels like things are a little bit steep right now, uh, there's, there's certainly some room to grow, even if we experience corrections over time. Yeah, and, and we're going to keep it at a high level here tonight. And these guys are going to get into much, much, much more detail about what they think is overvalued, what they think is undervalued going forward in future episodes and how to find that stuff. We're going to keep it at a high level again tonight. But I, obviously, you know, a lot of people are thinking about Top Shot. We have seen a massive correction in Top Shot. Shout out to me. I do have a rare all-star pack that we're going to rip later in this show. And hopefully that hasn't corrected too bad as I've been holding this for this show. I mean, my God, I got this pack like three or four weeks ago. I was like, it'll be a good idea. I'll hold it for this show. And then we kept pushing the show off. I, you know, you guys would probably cost me like 70% on my flip opportunity <laughs> Without uh, a doubt. Uh, on that pack. Okay. I think Gary, you should talk about your experience in the card industry People are saying, what are breaks? What is all this? What's going on on eBay? Is that the best way to sell the card? I have experience with Starstock, uh, a company who uh, like free-rolled me in, in, some, in some football card contests. So I actually got to play around on the platform a bit, which is really cool because obviously handling cards and all that like you do every day for eBay uh, is a huge pain. And this is kind of a place that stores them. I'm sure you guys will get into that stuff as well. But yeah, what's going on in the card industry right now at a high level that people need to know? Yeah. So I guess just a little background about how I got back into it. I mean, as all of us are that are probably listening to this podcast, you're, you're a sports fan. I'm sure in some extent or to some level you have collected at some point in your life when you were a kid, I was no different. Um, about three years ago, though, I got back into it. Uh, honestly, just like a friend of mine and my old job turned to me and we were watching a baseball game. We said, hey, I wonder what Ronald Acuna cards are looking like rookie cards or something like that. And uh, we looked it up and we're like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. The next day I went to a hobby shop in New York city, bought a bunch of hobby boxes and it kind of just spiraled out of control from there for me. Uh, what I really got, how I really got into it from a, a kind of from a large volume standpoint were what things call card breaks, which if you don't know what that is, instead of going to a hobby store or your local card shop and buying one you know, sealed hobby box, you can go online with a group of other people that are looking to, uh, you know, have some collectibles or, or get involved in a card box or case and basically split that all with, you know, as many as 30 other people. So if you're doing an NBA break, you know, you can pick, you could buy one team. So if I just want to buy the Knicks and Adam wants to buy the Celtics, every card that comes out of that full case will go, any Nick card will come to me and any Celtic card would go to Adam. So it's a great way. And it's really the most uh, probably approachable way. If you're looking to basically get your hands on physical cards right now, that may have some value without spending an arm and a leg on personal boxes, because the expected EV of just 
sealed, what we call wax right now is, is very negative, where at the very least, you're getting a cardboard, you're, you're able to expose yourself, I mean, in breaks, you're able to expose yourself to many more boxes with uh, the opportunity to have a lot more come back your way at a cheaper entry point. So that's kind of how I got into it. And that's a great way to do it. And then the other way is just eBay is still king as far as just buying and selling single individual cards. And that's how, what I do most of my business on. I have an eBay store. I'm buying, I'm selling. I mean, you make connections off eBay. You look to make deals through social media and obviously sites like, like Starstock that are really um, you know, kind of expanding and growing. And there's a lot of other options that we'll get into in future episodes. But I would say those are the, the main ways to kind of get involved if you're, if you're looking to. By the way, it just hit me before we go any further. I got to ask you about the Millie Maker real quick because it just hit yeah. me that that it's fascinating. Uh, you are a DFS grinder before this. Like, were you mass multi entering? Do you have 150 in the Millie Maker? Or how did you get this Millie Maker? winning team together. I don't think I've ever actually heard this story. No, I don't think we've ever spoken about it. So, um, no, I mean, I've been playing DFS forever, but I, uh, this football season was really the past, the first time that I like really kind of got into it, got a subscription to ETR and kind of was looking at it from a projections and data driven standpoint. So I was starting to mass enter this football season. It was the first time I've ever done it. And I uh, actually didn't even 150 the week I won. I had 89 entries. Uh, but since then I've, I've been mass mass entering ever since, but yeah, no, I've been a DFS grinder for forever. Uh, been playing DFS for, I don't know, eight, uh, eight plus years. What was the stack that, that won? And, and do you remember the week? Yeah, it was week eight. Uh, it was the, the Chiefs, Jets, Mahomes, Kelsey. I had Demarcus Robinson in there as well. Mm -hmm. And I had Mims on the run back who had six points. But uh, wow. yeah, no, people were, and it was Dalvin Cook's first game back off injuries and he went ballistic. He had three touchdowns. But yeah. people were fading the Chiefs just because it was a 21 point spread, I, I think. So you got those guys at low ownership. Right. Oh my, I remember talking, I remember talking about that and being like, God, I mean, this is not the NBA. Like if there's chief score 40 points, they're not going to, you know, Mahomes can get most of them. Anyways, that's that, was my, different that was my whole, my whole theory, different podcast, different yeah. podcast. Okay. Anyways, fractional. I've gotten a little bit into, into the fractional world and, and uh, breaks is not what we're referring to here. Fractional world is you can buy a small part of a dinosaur skull. You can buy a small part of a Patrick Mahomes rookie card. You can buy a small part of uh, a piece of Kobe, the floor that was in Kobe's last game. And there's a bunch of sites that uh, are doing this right now. Basically, they're taking extremely expensive collectibles and uh, buying them and then fractionalizing them out at a very small uh, rate. You know, you can buy as little as $10, as much as sometimes they cap you at like 500. Sometimes they cap you at like 5,000, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Cody knows a lot more about this than me. Do you think this whole fractional thing uh, is a good idea for collectors because I'm sure there's some hidden fees and stuff that I that I haven't even looked into. I was just kind of blindly firing. And what do you think about this whole fractional thing going on? Yeah, and this this is kind of where I got my start. Um, Rally is is a popular company. We'll, we'll touch on a lot of these companies later. There's so many that are popping up now. But um, I started following Rally's platform around 2017, um, mainly just lurking and kind of trying to, to to feel it out. I didn't have the bankroll to go out there and buy a ton of uh, high volume cards and things of that nature. So I was looking to get in at a more palatable level. Um, so on what they do basically, and you nailed it, they, they secure the assets, they go out and buy it, they physically own it, um, whether they purchase it or, or it's on consignment, but they physically own the asset and they securitize it through an SEC filing. So it, it basically becomes, the asset becomes its own company. So that Mahomes card in your example, um, it's regulated offering. And then on their platform, it opens um, for IPO, just like Coinbase IPO today and, and investors can start buying shares. So 
how it works is there's a value assigned to the asset from the company. And then there's, it's split up into a certain number of shares and a certain price per share. Sometimes it's uncapped for, for, for folks. Um, other times, like you said, it's capped at $500 or, or, you know, 15 shares or whatever the case may be. Um, but for me, it was just a really palatable way to get involved in collectibles. And um, if, if you're someone like me that was kind of intimidated by the process of shipping and storing cards and, and am I going to buy the right thing or am I going to do things right? Um, these fractional companies take the, the guesswork out of it for you. They kind of handle all of that. They're not going to offer something on their platform that's you know not 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 real or not a legitimate card or not a good grade or doesn't have value going forward. Um, so to your point about hidden fees, most of these sites now allow you to trade, um, buy and trade without fees. Basically, what they do, we'll use the Mahomes example again. If they buy the Mahomes card at five hundred thousand, it may be offered on their site uh, with a market cap of say five hundred fifty thousand. So that's how they make their uh, make their percentage. But again, like I said, it's just a, a palatable way. If you have a smaller bankroll or if you're just looking to um, kind of build a more balanced portfolio, if you're into collectibles, it's just kind of a good way to get started um, at, at a lower dollar value. Uh, I mean, the reason that I liked it is because I didn't really know what I was doing. I'm, I'm such a donkey. I, I When Carson Wentz started playing bad at the beginning, started playing poorly at the beginning of last year. I was like, let me fire into some Jalen Hurts. And I bought all these Jalen Hurts cards. It turns out the, I didn't buy any of the right ones. I have all these Jalen Hurts cards that should be, I think, worth a lot or, or worth a lot more than what they were at the time. They were like $1.50, $3, you know, and I think they should be worth a lot more now. I bought the wrong ones. So I figured on Rally, at least like when I'm getting this Mahomes, a piece of this Mahomes card, at least I know it's the right Mahomes card, you know what I mean? But I think that's one of the reasons that we have this podcast is that donkeys like me don't go buying Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma uniform. I had no idea that Jalen Hurts uh, in, in his college uniform wouldn't be worth anything. I thought that was his actual rookie card because that was his his first, his oldest image. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the, that's the thing. And these these platforms are incentivized to offer us, the investors or collectors, you know, the, the premium assets. If an asset doesn't fund, then they're kind of left you know, left on the hook. So if they offer something that isn't an original or isn't properly graded or, or something along those lines, the asset won't get funded. People will see through it and, you know, they're left holding the bag. So yeah, it's huge. There's, there's a lot less research required from that perspective. You don't have to go digging around what, you know, do I need to buy the Panini prism of his college Jersey or do I need to buy the Panini prism of his first NFL car, you know, his first NFL Jersey and what's, what does the grade need to be? And, you know, all these things. So so from that perspective, um, especially if you're new, it's it's a good way to get started with with little to no research. Yeah, obviously, blindly firing at everything is probably not a, a solid strat, but it's just a it's just a low risk, uh, easy way to get involved. Yeah, and, and the whole idea is that obviously you think this Mahomes card is going to go up, but like you're not just buying a share of Mahomes card just for the fun of it. You think that shares of that will be worth more in the future, and they hold it for you and and all that. So yeah, you guys are going to talk about that going forward. Okay. As we continue on this introductory episode, we have to talk about what has completely rocked the collectibles world is the NBA Top Shot, which, you know, I've seen both sides of of this whole Top Shot argument. Um, It is easy or easier to acquire customers when you are offering them literal free money. And for a while, that's what NBA Top Shot was doing. They were selling packs for $9 that could be flipped at 10x the next day. Uh, The market was going up at just an absolute hockey stick rate, but still acquiring 400,000 actual customers in two months is just 
unheard of in business. I mean, you know, obviously ETR is in the business of acquiring customers. I can tell you it is extremely difficult to do so. Uh, and NBA Top Shot did it with over, no actual advertising. You know, people can argue what, you know, some of the viral advertising is worth, but no like commercials like DraftKings and FanDuel used to have on TV every day. And this, I'm sure, rocked the card market, the, uh, the physical card market, the old school guys to the core. And so, you know, I think that NFTs are going to win. I think NFTs are the future. It doesn't mean that cardboard isn't uh, valuable also. And it also doesn't mean that I think NBA Top Shot cards are going to keep going up. And maybe we should probably do a whole show debating the Top Shot thing because I, I have way more takes than I can give right now. But anyways, I'm curious from, from Gary how the Top Shot thing rocked, felt, uh, pissed off the old guard card world. Yeah, well, like hardcore, just hobby traditionalists wanted nothing to do with it. They didn't want to hear about it. They thought it was a joke. Um, they will. They took any, like if I was in a break room and people would just be talking and chat or something, they would take any opportunity they had to just, just basically shit on it. Uh, but I never took that approach. You know, I'm around people like you guys all the time who have been talking up NFTs and, and things like that. And I was always interested in it. And I think that it definitely has legs and room to exist. But, you know, you need to have someone with an open mind like me that's also in the hobby. We call the hobby is what, is the old term for uh, cardboard, but uh, to, to kind of have an open mind, you know, there are people that like both certainly, but I think, you know, the really old school people were, were um, kind of minimizing it. And I think people that are so into new age and just think everything's always you know, going to be digital in five to 10 years uh, will poo-poo the, the traditional market. I think both are here to stay. I really do. Um, there's, there's like an art aspect to holding a physical tangible item and as and NFTs and digital are going to keep growing, especially when they have the backing of something like licensing by the NBA. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about both spaces. Yeah, I mean, to tie the two last two things we talked about together, fractional stuff, you know, like uh, when me and Bales and Peter and a couple of other guys bought those cards. We weren't using a fractionalizing platform, but we were essentially fractionalizing uh, I, I, on our own. You know, I fractionalized punks uh, on my own and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, finding a way to fractionalize digital stuff obviously is going to be huge, huge, huge in the future as people want access to things that are very, very expensive. And obviously there's some very, very expensive things currently uh, in both the cardboard and the NFT world. But yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole thing about Top Shot to me, that was a huge win for them is that like, it doesn't feel like you're on a crypto site at all. You don't need MetaMask. You don't need Ethereum. You can deposit with your credit card. And so it kind of feels like you're just shopping on a regular card site, except it's just much, much, much easier. So yeah, I mean, I think the product is great. It doesn't mean that the uh, card prices are going, I'm sorry, the moment prices <laughs> are going to go up. People get so pissed off at me when I call them uh, cards, uh, not moments. But yeah, any, any thoughts on Top Shot here before we rip my pack? Uh, Cody, my pack, which hopefully contains uh, a bunch of LeBrons and Donchits. Yeah, fingers crossed for three LeBrons across the board. But no, I think it, it's so hard to have a nuanced take on Top Shot because, you know, like you said, there's there's just maximalists on both sides in the cardboard world and uh, in, in the NFT and, you know, the, the crypto world. So I think you kind of nailed it. I think Gary nailed it. I think both are here to stay. To what degree? Um, you know, when when will moment prices rebound? Will they rebound? Will they ever? You know, will we ever see the highs that we saw in February? Uh, I, that's yet to be determined. But I think the fractional thing is huge. Once somebody figures out how to do that with digital, will be big because I think one of the one of the sticking points was um, you know all every moment it seemed like was going up in value around that towards the end of February. 
And, you know, it just wasn't feasible for that to continue. So now people are wanting to get involved in the more um, high-end moments, some of the moments that hopefully we had out of your pack, but it's tough to do that now with the way prices are. So if someone figures that out, that, that may um, lead to a uh, little increase in the market, but they've nailed some things like, you know, hopefully they've got utility and display stuff coming up. I'd love to have them on the walls, but um, you know, just the transparency and, you know, the access to data, like I mentioned from the beginning and verifiable scarcity. That's the one thing with like, when you look at cardboard, we truly don't know how many cards are printed uh, any given year. So knowing exactly how many moments are minted and when they're minted and how many are still in packs and things like that and stuff that we'll touch on in future episodes is huge for determining value and understanding which items are truly scarce. Okay. We've waited long enough. And by we, I mean, I have waited long enough to rip this pack. Uh, let's go ahead and get my screen up here for you guys on YouTube. We'll go ahead and rip this pack. All right. Hopefully you're watching us on YouTube. If you are, you will see that I am in possession of one rare 2021 all-star pack. I believe this was uh, either $199 or $299. Uh, but you had to obviously win the Q lottery in the top shot line to get it. I was fortunate enough to do so. So we're going to go ahead and rip this thing right now. What are we rooting for here, uh, Cody? Uh, what's the best card in this pack? It has to be the, the LeBron, right? Yeah, that's it. He's the king. We're rooting for LeBron. What's the low ask on the on the LeBron 2021 All-Star Rare right now? If I If I had to guess, it was like, 2k when i got this pack and now it's probably like 20 dollars or something oh yeah like <laughs> you said you cost yourself so much eb low low <laughs> low ask is 1540 okay 1540 bucks one thing i will say about top shot they got this music right wait till you guys hear this music uh okay i am opening for those only listening i am opening the pack now and we come in with the hot music And I will get seven cards, moments, I'm sorry, seven moments. Moment six is going to be the all-star one. I'll open that one last. First card, card number one, Julius Randle, common from the base set. Julius Randle's having a great year. Card two, common, Carl Anthony Towns, excellent player. These are all common from the base set of Series 2. Obviously, Series 2 is a big hit. Miles Bridges is card number three, moment number three. Moment number four, Joe Ingles. Shout out to Joe Ingles. I need him in best ball badly. I love jingles. Moment number five is Eric Gordon common and i'm skipping over six because that is the all-star rare moment and number seven is going to be lebron james all right hey, here we go. Hey, this is not the lebron james all-star we wanted but how much is this lebron james common series two now cody oh it can't be much let me get it here if you're watching on youtube you can see this lebron james assist that i'm playing right now one-handed length of the floor Looks like KCP. How much is that one, Cody? 85. 65? 85. 85. My God, I'm rich. Okay. 
Here we go with the all-star reveal. All right, double LeBron. It is a Team Durant. It is a Clipper. It is Kawhi Leonard. All right. I mean, this was guaranteed to be an all-star. It was going to be a good player. Kawhi Leonard just doesn't strike me as very sexy in the collectibles market. What's that Kawhi going for right now, the Team Durant 2021 all-star game? All right, are you ready? I'm ready. 215. Yeah, I mean, I probably broke even on the pack, and considering how much time has elapsed, it's probably not too bad. No, you made money with the LeBron in that. Yeah. 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 Solid pack. Very exciting. The music is great. All right. Let's shut down this rip. All right. That was a fun pack rip. I'm glad I was able to be here for the maiden voyage of the Establish the Collection show. Gary, tell the people what to expect going forward over the next couple of weeks, what you guys are going to be talking about and working on. Yeah, so we're super excited to get this thing off the ground. Uh, We had a lot of fun with this introductory episode. But coming up over the next couple of weeks, we will be, you know, we really want to make this collectibles world as accessible as we can for anyone that's interested from from any angle. So we'll be starting off with a series called the Starter Pack, we're going to call it, where we're basically, it's going to be a one-on-one. We'll be covering a bunch of different topics, things as simple as kind of just a glossary of terms in the cardboard industry and and the uh, top shot industry, uh, all the way to what's going on with to deal with grading uh, and just how to evaluate the markets from a very basic level. So we want to do that. And things like Adam was mentioning before about not finding the right cards about someone will teach you what to look for, you know, what's the different tiers of different things that you might be interested in. So we're so excited to get into that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we're going to be talking equally about these, these spaces, both Top Shot, digital and physical. Um, and we're, we're super pumped about that. So yeah, we'll be doing that. And, you know, it's the episodes won't only be one-on-one to start. We're going to start at the top with that. And we'll be kind of diving in from a player evaluation standpoint and investment standpoint from there. So we'll come back next week. We'll, we're going to get into what tops has going on in the uh, NFT world that they're diving in and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. We're, we're super pumped. Yeah. I, I don't think it's in our plans at all. And I don't know if we should do it, but man, this, this horse breeding, what's going on with intercourse between the digital horses right now is, is just absolutely fascinating. And so maybe, maybe I'll be back for an episode on that because I am, uh, I am neck deep in, in the horse ra- in the virtual horse racing and, and more accurately horse breeding world right now is more my level of expertise. But anyways, anytime sh- you and Drew come on, we'll, we'll talk about the stud current stud fees of digital horses. <laughs> and I think it's exciting, right? <laughs> It really is fun. Okay. Uh, Cody, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Cody is tweeting out a ton of good information about, especially during the NFL season for showdown and now about collectibles and everything like that. If you want to think about it from a data driven standpoint, tell the people where they can find you, Cody. Yeah, you can find my work at CMain7. Hopefully I'm posting some actionable stuff if you can sift through the uh, the non-funny tweets, but find some actionable information on the collectible space uh, at my Twitter account, at CMain7. Yeah, and we're also on YouTube. Obviously, you can listen to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. I encourage you guys to go to the YouTube page, establishing on YouTube, where you'll find this show. Also, you'll get to actually see the pack rips and stuff like that. Gary, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, I'm G Hartman 314 on Twitter. Um, I don't have the fun visual stuff that Cody has. I, I highly recommend checking that stuff out. But I'll be tweeting more and more about the collectible space as we move forward here, as well as all things NFL, NBA, DFS, if you're interested in that stuff too. So. All right, beautiful. What a first episode. We've done it all.
I'm excited to listen to this going forward. I'll be dropping in every now and then. These guys will be carrying the load going forward. So stay tuned for that. And I'll certainly be listening as I try to not be such a donkey with buying Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma jersey, uh, and stuff like that. Okay. For producer Luke, for Gary, for Cody, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. <laughs>